Our world started with a data explosion marked by an exponential growth in the volume, velocity, and variety of data being piped in and out of organizations. However, despite this new wealth in technology and data, businesses had never been so challenged to drive revenue growth. Plagued by dark, siloed, unusable data, rendering their go-to-market motions useless. Until one day, the most courageous data heroes took back control of their company's most valuable asset transforming their customer data sets from a burden to a true system of insight, capable of automating sales motions, delivering personalized marketing programs at scale, and driving predictable revenue growth for their business. Welcome to the Data Heroes podcast powered by Ringlead. Welcome everybody today to another version of Talk Data. To me, we've got a very special guest with us today, Corey Bayless. He's the marketing automation program manager at Amazon and a two-time Marketo champion. Welcome to the show today, Corey. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing we always kind of ask, and we really want to get to know you, um, is what was your path to becoming a data hero? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, a, a lot of a lot of people have asked me this question of like, how did you get into market automation, right? Like that's the the step that so many people um, are looking to find um, because it's expensive. It's expensive for a company to have a market automation system. First, first thing, right? <clears throat> and so. Um, one of the keys is, uh, you kind of a little bit just have to get lucky. Like I, my, like I was in a consulting agency, um, and I applied for multiple positions and I landed both of them. I ended up working both of them as a consultant. Um, and then, uh, the other position was actually, um, at Microsoft and it was really just kind of a crash course directly into that was their, the system of choice. Um, and so as a consultant um, for everyone out there, you literally have to do everything you can to be successful and try to provide um, you know, as much value to the company as possible. Because number one, your goal is you want to be hired right by that company potentially someday. And number two is you want to improve your career, right? Well, the really interesting part about that is um, for me, my story has, has been, uh, you know, I graduated with a communications degree and started my career in sales, um, you know, just like most communication studies. And I realized early on that that wasn't necessarily um, the track I wanted to go down. And so my big opportunity came um, when I first got to see and work with some front end technology. And I understood, you know, I was like, you know, what's HTML, what's CSS? I started dabbling with it a little bit. And then that led to some more dabbling and some more learning and all this. And then all of a sudden the self-taught element came into play where I was able to really start to expand my role um, outside of, you know, that program management style. And I could actually start supporting developers, right? And <clears throat> I actually fell in love with, with code and how it all functions and works. And so um, it was kind of like a perfect scenario of all of that, that upfront work that I did kind of dropped me right into market automation for Microsoft and I just hit the ground running. And I knew that because of the, um, uh, how important Marketo was to that company, 
and how expensive it was to maintain on a consistent basis uh, to use the system, that being as, as proficient as I possibly could felt very advantageous for me. Um, and so I basically just buried myself in documentation um, like any any developer or any person who's working in this day and age has to do and learn the system inside and out. Um, and I've been doing that for almost seven years now, which is crazy to say. Um, and it, it, it basically just, I ended up getting trainings um, and they paid for a lot of uh, my learnings, um, which is the key, right? I didn't have to really put in my own, any of my own money in there uh, to, to start getting that training. And so, um, that was, that was my path to market automation. Um, I could have easily not done that and not done the hard work and delivered on, on those things, but it just felt like such a, a unique position because there were so few experts out there in the system. Right. And so, um, when I saw the opportunity, I just ran with it. Like, it, cause it can lead to like, once you know, any market automation system, they all kind of follow that similar track. And so if you know one, then you can most likely on another company, you can learn another one and you can learn another one. You can learn another one. Right. Um, and then it just, it just got lucky because Marketo became one of the number one marketing automation software on the planet. And, um, it's led me to where I am today. So. That's kind of my yeah. I, I I like the the answer is kind of tied to you saw value right in this specialized market and you know what I a stat I always or I guess a quote I always go back to is when I think it was um, Phil when he was the CEO one of the founders of Marketo I was at a summit and he was like you know marketing used to be touching ten to twenty percent of the the journey of the customer and now with automation and in this tool set, whether it's Marketo or any of the others, you're able to really grab a hold of the entire customer lifecycle and the entire customer journey. And that's where I started to see like, wow, this is a huge potential. And, and then like you said, while they do have a great community, Marketo and like user groups and everything, there really are a limited number of specialists. And so, you know, if you can get out there and, and do the work like Corey's saying, um, the sky's the limit, the potential's, you know, basically unlimited. And I think that, well, I like to say that today's RevOps leaders are going to be tomorrow's business leaders because um, you really do have to understand the, the life cycle of the customer and how to, to, to interact with people at, at each step. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, though, like if you weren't doing Marketo and, and marketing ops and just uh, all the stuff that you do today, what would you do with your life? You know, what, what career would you would you have taken on? Um, <clears throat> so fun story. Um, back in my 20s, I actually was a professional snowboarder for a, a short period of time. And I was also a professional snowboard coach. Um, I worked at um, some uh, prestigious camps um, during the summer and was actually able to turn it into sort of a full time job, which is uh, hard to do when snow is only during the wintertime. Um I don't think that would have been my career choice because it's super dangerous. Um, but I would say that uh, based off of my hunger to learn, it really would have been whatever opportunity 
came to me um, that I was passionate about. And it's hard to know what that would have been, but I feel like if it wasn't the Microsoft opportunity, it could have been something else. It could have been, it could have been uh, another sales position or, um, you know, whatever I could get my hands on really. I mean, I, you know, I'm coming from a little bit of a smaller school, so I have, I don't want to say I have a chip on my shoulder, but like, you know, I'm here to say I, I can, I can play with the, with the big boys, right? Like I can, I can do the things that, um, your, your prestigious college, uh, graduates are able to do, and I can, I can do it just as efficient. And then I can find gaps and things that I can enter in and exploit those gaps and then make them, uh, you know, <laughs> produce much, much better, right? Like that's, that's always been my goal is, is find system limitations and then expand outward. Um, and, and I think that that would have held true if I was in market automation or any other system automation that could have presented itself. But I'm glad that market automation presented itself because like you said, there's so few of us out there. And when you become, you know, that top tier, top 50, uh, market automation user, all of a sudden it's kind of like a lot of doors really open up to you. Um, and you get to have some pretty fun conversations with some people and, 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 um, being in the trenches, like I have been, man, you learn, you learn a lot. <laughs> you learn what you like and what you don't like. And, and, uh, um, it's, it's a growth. It's a, it's a growth period that, that you should really learn to treasure and, um, never take for granted because, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed in life. And the one thing I've learned is let your work speak for you and, um, always, always, always never give up. <laughs> Just never give up. Always, you know, always drive forward, always be driving. Um, and it, and it, just hasn't let me down. So um, that's absolutely my advice to anybody who's emerging in this industry is just never stop. Always start learning. Always keep learning. Always keep learning every foundational aspect of the system that you're working on and learn how, you know, you've got your job role, but what else can you do? How else can you be effective um, in that position? And how can you help your company and be passionate? Because people will see it. And um, those are those are all very important facts um, for for you know, being successful in your career. So. Absolutely. I love it. And, um, you know, if it, it seems like you've, you've kind of answered this question already, but I want to dive a little bit deeper because, you know, Marketo is a great ecosystem. So I kind of understand why people gravitate to it and some, it just might be timing or like you said, luck, but now that you, you know, you're doing your thing in Marketo, is there, is there something that, that pushed you other than, you know, your companies are using this tool to want to be, um, you know, personally branded with Marketo? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, so Marketo was kind of what was available to me. Um, but I've stretched that into so many other systems like, uh, a cloud for instance, and cloud integrations. So it's not just, that system is my bedrock now. It's it's many different things. And I've got, I mean, basically able to see a full stack element of all the things I come in contact with. And that ability to dive deep um, really, really has benefited me um, in my career because not I can have a conversation with your developer, but I can also have that strategic conversation from that 10,000 foot level. Um, that is super important because, um, and trust me, early on, that wasn't the case. You really have to teach yourself 
how to do that. Um, but Marketo was, it's a, it's a really good tool. Like it's definitely like one of the most powerful tools out there. Um, if not the most powerful tool out there and it's, and it's hands-on UI approach to being able to solve a very complex ecosystem, um, is, is, uh, it's, it's exciting to kind of be around and, um, the, the champion program, um, was felt just felt like another step for me. It felt like, okay, I've been able to show that I can, I can master the system. All right. I'll apply for the champions program. I've got some good referrals into it from my coworkers and, um, and then it happened. Right. Um, and so it's just kind of, it's kind of followed me. <laughs> like it's, it's not like it's, I, I'm not trying to get away from Marketo, but a lot of, you know, a lot of my foundation is built on that system. So I have a lot of like emotion tied to my professionalism of the system and will always support it. But I also have grown very close with a lot of the champion members in the community um, because we're all we're all in the trenches together. Right. We all mm -hmm. know what that battleground looks like. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Marketo for me through and through 100 percent. That's but if awesome. I have another yeah. company wants to hire me and they use a different system, I'll learn that one. You know, like I'll join that crew, right? Like it just it's it's really like what what is my job requirement and what's in front of me? And and like I said, I all I never stop driving. I'm always, always, always trying to drive to the next the next solution or clearing um, you know, clearing out the problem or the issue that might be you know being incurred by the customer, you name it, right? So that's really my point of view. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, all these systems, they have amazing capabilities, some better than others in, in certain ways, but I feel like, and, and I'm simplifying it a bit here, I'm going to say, but, you know, when you're doing any sort of marketing or marketing automation or sales for that matter, I love that you have a sales background and like the, you know, the coding backgrounds, kind of the, the ideal background for a marketing automation leader, because you, you get to you don't have to ask people for all, uh, help every it's time. It's a little unicornish, you know, like, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, but like the, the idea of a sales and marketing campaign is first, you got to get a, a list, right? And what that means is you're building filters and you're building segments. And and, and at the end of the day, if, if you have dirty data, uh, every time you go to pull a targeted list, you just minimize the number of participants that you could access within your own first party data. So like, what do you do um, to make sure that data that you're capturing, you know, like people want web forms, but they only want one value in the web form, an email. Like, what do you guys do to make sure that you have enough data within your records to, to make it so that you can segment by state or country or job title level. I mean, what's the best way that you found to be able to capture that information without losing, you know, lead creation? Yeah, no, it's a good question, right? <clears throat> the foundation of any, actually any business strategy in 2021 and going on is going to be your data pool. Um, it's the most important aspect of market automation because if you, especially with the pandemic, right, with how every how the industry is completely shifted, you no longer have that brick and mortar experience anymore, and people are not 
they're they're more in their houses, right? So that digital front has to be so so strong, and your content that you're delivering to the customer has to be specific to the problem that they're trying to solve, and your solution has the opportunity to solve it for them. And your messaging that you want to create is here's my product, here's this is this customer's problem that they're trying to solve. Here are all of the aspects of how my how my solution solves those problems. Those are the customers that you want. Those are the customers that you want to listen to, right? And that intent of them filling out forms and then giving us data, and not only that, but for GDPR laws and things like that, when they check that box that they want to be marketed to, that's your goal. That's your gold line, right? You want to protect that. But there's so much data hygiene that goes into play with making sure that you can talk to that person, right? <clears throat> Those laws in Europe right now are so critical to success for any business in the world. You have to follow compliance like it's the most important. If there's anything that uh, trumps all conversation, it's compliance. If you can successfully opt people in, remark when they opted in, how they opted in, the form they came through, and all those various things, and you have the ability to create that nice little container, that box of data that is just like your key, like critical lifeblood for your, for your company, um, your sales is going to really appreciate it because instead of having, you know, from, you said my sales background, my sales background came from cold calling. Like I was just straight up calling businesses with no prep, no work, no nothing. And you had to basically go from introduction of who you are into a full on conversation into, okay, here's my pitch. But you have literally 45 seconds to do that entire process. And it's super, it's, it's, it's hard. It's not easy to do. And digital marketing is the same way, except the nice thing is, is when you have the ability to really put your company out there and you have the ability to have a clean experience, I'm talking a landing page that looks incredibly professional. Nobody's going to fill out a sketchy page. Doesn't matter. Like no one's going to give you your data if you have a sketchy page, right? Like mm -hmm. it just, you, that, that content has to be clean. So what does that mean? That means your code has to be on check too. Like you have to have all those things in line to build the customer trust, right? Our, our company is about customer obsession and this is a direct example of where that is so important. So how do you get that person to give you the accurate data? Your content, your webinars, the things that you're providing to them help solve their problem and helps fill the needs that they need to because time is so valuable, right? Um, and so when you create a successful compliant pool of data and you can ship them off to your CRM and sales, you're going to see an impact there because there are people, this, it works. Like market automation works, right? You, you, like I see it working. Like I know it works. I see it. I see the funnels. I see how data is transferring through the system. Um, and I know that, yeah, out of all the 10,000 bad leads you've got, you've got those really important thousand. You need to make sure because you have only a few opportunities to talk to that person. The second that they unsubscribe from your marketing content, you can't talk to them anymore, right? And if you do talk to them and they get mad at you, 
<laughs> you got you got legal problems coming after you now because of data hygiene and data compliance. So um, yeah, it's it's a lot of things, but really making sure that your experience that you're providing is in a customer obsessed approach and nice and clean and doesn't make your company look like you're just trying to, you know, do nefarious things. And and, and if your delivery is good, you will see those results. Mm-hmm. That's that's the basic premise. Yeah, I love it. You know, compliance has become so huge these days, and um, rightfully so. I'm actually glad it has been, you know, uh, emphasized, and it's made the well for you and I as well, right? Like, <laughs> I want to protect my data, like for sure. But at the same time, you know, if I've got something I'm interested in, I want the company to know. For me personally, since I'm in the industry, right? Like. If I see a webinar that I am very interested in, I want to give them my data. I want to learn more about those solutions. I want to learn more about that topic. And as customers of of ourselves, literally, right? It's so important to be able uh, to establish that connection with the company and be able to establish those relationships, especially if they have things that will help solve for your problems. And, um, you know, it, it becomes... The internet is an interesting place, I'll be honest with you, but uh, it it is also a very powerful place. And there are a lot of people um, and your targeting and your SEO and your SEM and all your various components that help you get out there. They're all critical. You need to know all of it. There's no you don't want to cut corners in places like you want to know all the things because your package is going to be that much more effective and it's going to do that much better for your company. Yeah, I think that this compliance kind of push has made it even that much more important to be able to provide, like you said, once you have that pool of people who have opted in now, you need to provide personalized experiences throughout multiple channels. And, and it's more important than ever not to skip those steps because if they've given you your information, I actually, you know, I go look at, I think this Kai brand or whatever, they make these shoes, the Bay Area company. I wanted to be retargeted. I wanted them to like hound me and send me offers until I want, I was ready to buy. But um, the other brands aren't getting that same opportunity. So when you do get that opportunity from an individual, they give you their contact information. You know, they tell you that you can market. It's so important more than ever to get them on all of those digital avenues as well as mailing, right? We send Doso over here and it's like every channel, once you've got those golden, you know, contacts that have opted in and that are engaging with your content, it's like value for value, gotta be there. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to waste their time. You don't want to send content that's not relevant to the experience. And, and obviously you're going to be going into like your nurture streams and things like that. Make it valuable to them. Give them so if they're clicking on your content and give them things that are worth their time. Don't waste their time with high level descriptions. Give them things that help them make business decisions. If you don't, done, right? Nobody's going to want to listen. No one, if you're over, if you're spammed by a company, it's just going to lead to an unsubscribe. Value, value all of the rules that you can put in place using a market automation system because they're so, so important, right? You're going to get buyer intent. And when you get that buyer intent, make sure that those people are all going into the correct funnel. If they're not, you're missing huge opportunity. And um, 
you're gonna, it's kind of a, a, a make or break situation sometimes, especially for your startups, especially for your smaller companies. Like you have to make sure that those things are all in line. It's, it's, it's critical to survival, especially now since digital, the digital front, what it's gone up to like 80% of everything that's important to a company in 2021 has been their digital front. Like digital experience has to be dialed in. If it's not, absolutely, you're in trouble. So, um, let's talk about, I, I know I've seen a lot of content from you about account-based marketing and, you know, some people call it a buzzword, but I don't, I, I really believe in it. And like, you know, I, I've been a seller for a long time. Also, have a marketing background, built websites, and you know some digital experiences. And 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 I I always have this problem. Like, if I'm selling somebody, I'm, I, I'm not I'm not going to sell to companies first of all that don't match a profile because it it's a waste of time. Or you'll end up, you know, in SaaS, you get graded on on your churn metrics and your net retention, and it's like you go out and find the wrong customers, you're actually devaluing your business even by bringing on new revenue. So, um, you know, the first step in any good ABM to me is like, hey, how do you build out ideal account profiles? And then obviously personas, but what do you, you know, you're, you're using, you're, you're used to working in big databases that have a lot of data. So I'm, I'm wondering when you're, when you have that scale of information, you know, is it intent? Is it, um, you know, activity with products or, um, you know, what is it that's really driving ideal profiles at a business level uh, that you think would be helpful for others to kind of do the same thing around? Yeah, super good question. ABM is definitely a buzzword. Um, I've done uh, quite a few conversations, quite a few actually presentations on ABM. I have a, an actual um, just kind of a high level uh, look at uh, Marketo's ABM tool um, that that's available online. Um, so I can, I can definitely share that with you, uh, after this, if you're, if people are interested in what it is, but, uh, ABM is, um, a lot of things, right. But if you're going to look at it from sort of a 10,000 foot level, you have, uh, your CRM creates different types of data, different, different types of data, right? So you've got your, for some CRMs, you got your lead, and you got your contact, right? And then you got your account, and then you got the things that are all in the account, right? Um, so one of the things for uh, B to C versus B to B, which is critical to know what your customer base is because it changes the dynamic of how you market. Um, B to B is uh, a lot of what I've dealt with uh, just in my career, and. ABM starts from the strategy of understanding who your target demographic is, number one. Number two is if it's B2B, you want to know who, what businesses are interested in your product. And where ABM comes in and is very effective is, I'm sure you've heard of lead score in Marketo. Mm -hmm. Well, ABM allows you to create an account score. Um, and you're allowed to track that account score. So it's really a combination of all of your contacts for that particular business that's kind of compiled into a metric that allows for you to kind of track the health of the account. Um, why is that important? Well, when you're doing B2B, you're not selling to the customer, you're selling to the business, right? You're solving the business's problems. You're not solving the, the employee is a uh, is somebody who is going to instigate and push 
your solution opportunity to this decision maker, right? And so ABM allows for you to create a hierarchy and design who and or not design, but be able to scope and find who those decision makers are. And if you have a good lead score set up, those two things will start to talk to each other and it will generate an account score. And then from that account score, you can start um, kind of tiering your accounts based off of what is your highest account scores. Um, and you can go from your, you know, your basic lead score to your demographic score to um, kind of any, anything else that you, you think is going to help tell you those metrics. And then you can grab that data on an account-based level. And you can start to tier those accounts in terms of their importance to your business. And when you do that successfully, you end up having uh, the ability to not only know who your best customers and business uh, or, uh, and companies are that are interested in your product, but you can also cater your content in Marketo through dynamic segmentation to those businesses. So if I needed to send one email and I have a segmentation that's set up in Marketo, I can actually, I can create one email and target 20 companies that might be super important. And that catered ABM experience is so critical and so important for the company, right? And to the customer who's there. So if I'm somebody who works at company A, right? And I get an email that is designated specifically to company A, I'm going to be more intrigued to be like, okay, wait, this person's directly talking to me. But Marketo gives you the ability to do that at a nice, scalable approach. So you'd have one email that says, I want to go to company A, I want to go to company B, I want to go to company C. And you can you can basically kind of critique each segment based off of that pool of data and that account that you're sending to. Um, and that's literally like some of the power of ABM. But when you start to get to enterprise scale, and you and you there there are API things there there are things with the API that you can do that can really bring out that data and let it sing to you. Um, your metrics become easier to track. Uh, it, it, it's trust me, it's more than um, a buzzword. ABM is is a very powerful tool if used correctly. Yeah, you know, I've had, I have two kind of questions for you on how to use it properly. I think one of we use the ABM tool as well, and you know we've got a great Marketo team. Elliot Lowe's, I can't say enough about him. And uh, one of the challenges I have in sales, because again, there's like this alignment that has to be done, is is does Marketo allow you to transfer that account score into a, a Salesforce record on the account level, or does it, or does it sit in the marketing system um, only, where the marketing team can build their segments. Uh, and, and that question is, is there an ability with the ABM tool Marketo to actually output that score value into another system? That is a great question. And I would say yes, but not through the UI. Okay. You would have to build, you'd have to build some external, um, uh, well, a cloud integration that does specifically what you're talking about is an extraction of that data value. Um, you can, let's just say you have a target account list, you can create a program and using the API Python, I, I love Python, I'll, I'll swear by it. Um, it's incredibly powerful and it's very syntax light. Um, you can create a program that would extract that value that you want from your account score that's, that's basically uh, created by 
ABM, right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a combination of all the lead scores brought together, divided by some specific metric that is hidden and nobody knows about. Um, and then they develop basically the, the, the account score. And then from there, you can extract all of the, um, all of the, the values from that account list. You can store it into some type of external database in cloud, whatever. And then you can ETL that data into your CRM and Perfect. you can attach it to those specific leads by that target. That is a, a real highlight. I mean, there's obviously a lot more granularity in there, but um, that is definitely a way that you can you can get that done. That's a, a crafty way to do it. I like that. And then the other is it sounds like the ABM module also it tracks activity at the contact level. Um, what have what what do you do to make sure leads in your system are always linked to an account in Salesforce? I know that's not like something just out of the box that comes with any tool for that matter. So like what what do you think the you know, either how do you do it or what are the negative benefits if you're not linking person records to account records? Right. So for for that's a that's a that's a training scenario that you'd want to set up on the sales side for sure of like how important when a lead when a when a warm lead comes um, into your CRM and you're able to see all the activity and all the things that person those interesting moments right if you're using um, MSI mm -hmm. uh, Marketo Sales Insight um, it can tell you all of the the trigger components of like they have different uh, 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 symbols to represent like different uh, intents, right? Um, and when you see that on a lead, uh, depending on your CRM, if, you're, if your sales sees that and they're, they're a lead, but they we also have that company information, tie them to that account, 100% tie them to that account, right? And then ABM automatically on a daily basis continues to update those accounts in, in the ABM system. And what's cool about that is that now you have that data into the account and what Marketo allows you to do with some filters is easily find that data and target that data. Like super, super easily, like through one filter called member of named account is actually what, what it is. And, um, you know, let's say you want to target company A, right? Build your smart list, member of named account, company A, boom, all of those contacts right there. You can send any email, right? Marketo is about a lot about targeting and where your data flow is. Um, if you, you're creating all of your hierarchy in terms of how did data enter the system, how does it get pushed into your CRM, and then how does it flow back into ABM and all the various things, you put all these things aligned and you make sure that your sales is really trained up on what those things mean, that downstream impact for how you can do your targeting based off of ABM becomes a much easier simplified process. And you can feel confident knowing that because that lead was transferred to a contact status in a manual you know, in a manual way that you know that somebody has actually looked at this data and they've qualified it. And that becomes your qualification uh, for being able to market to those people. Yeah, I feel like sales sales reps are like really good at doing that for like hot web forms. But for all you salespeople that like to go to trade shows, <laughs> like start converting your leads immediately, because if you don't, you're going to lose the attribution and 
at like every marketing director, they're like, we, we spend all these money on these trade shows and nothing ever comes of it. But it's number one reason is because those sales reps aren't converting those leads into contacts at the account. So I think that's a big one there. It's, I mean, it's huge, right? And also, um, automate everything. Um, don't, you're, this is obviously an entirely different conversation. Don't buy products that have you, uh, the upfront setup is fine, but if there's a bunch of work that you have to do after that in order to ensure that you're getting the correct data flow, you don't want that because you're going to start to stack technical debt and technical debt at an enterprise scale will break a company. It will, it will destroy the team that's using the market automation system underneath it because it becomes too much to manage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my career uh, with where I'm at has been dedicated to having to solve a lot of those problems. And I'm, I'm talking thousands and thousands of hours of work that you have to solve for. And so if you can create and streamline that blueprint up front and not create that downstream churn, it's really, really critical for, for the success of not only you, but your company. And that training for sales and the ability to ingest data you know, in a digital way, even using like an iPad at an event, is an effective way to get data into your system without having to rely on that manual integration. Mm -hmm. The less manual integration, the more valuable that data will become for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of back to the targeting and EVM, I think intent, third-party intent is also there, right? You're talking a lot of first-party intent earlier. Um, and and I'm just wondering, like, do you, do you use third-party intent or do you believe in it? Have you found that, um, that, that utilizing a third-party intent data source can help you to find, you know, someone, target accounts that, that are in market today? And is that part of a strategy that you believe in? There's a lot of trading back and forth. <laughs> and sometimes um, those, uh, that, that can backfire on you a little bit. Um, it's, it's a hard, it's kind of a hard question to answer, to be honest with you. Um, like third party intent, like, can you, can you expand a little bit more? On, yeah, on I, think, I, I think, I um, think what I mean, and I'm not talking about a person's intent to purchase, but um, like a Bombora or a Zoom Info or some of these other companies that are, that are tracking um, whether companies as, as a whole are showing um, keyword topical phrase, you know, search for um, items that would show intent for a purchase. So I'll give you an example for Ringley. If somebody was searching Salesforce data hygiene or sales, and then another person in the company is searching for Salesforce duplicates, and then another person searching for like Salesforce data enrichment, and all of a sudden you've got a, what we call a cluster of people within an organization showing intent that there was maybe a project going on to look at a data quality solution, right? That is kind of the 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 the, the realm I'm looking at. The less the consumer side, where you know somebody's buying shoes and you're going to buy that personal data. So this third party, are you relying on them to kind of run a scrub to ensure that your data is clean, essentially? Like you're you're talking to like the third the third party could be like these data companies out there that have email validation components that you can attach and all those kind of all those things. 
I recommend email validation 100%. Um, there's a lot of spam out there. In fact, I think uh, it's, it's a huge problem, uh, to be honest with you. Anything that's indexed high um, in, a, in a search result is going to um, get that type of uh, form ingestion, and it can, it can really cause some problems for you. Um, the, uh, the, the, the third party intent piece, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm fully understanding. I, like, I get the, the collection of, of how you're doing your targeting when you're, you're indexing on different keywords um, and, and um, companies all bid on those keywords in SEM. Um, the so and it sounds like and from there from those bids you're essentially creating a pool of those actual people those customers who are typing that in into their browsers and then that third party is actually collecting that data right and then they're able to take that data and are you saying that they can ship it into yeah they can distribute it to to but so let's just say you have an account a set of accounts and you've Profile them by industry, employee size, revenue, and all the generals. And now you say, okay, we're going to send this website domain of this account to ZoomInfo or Bombora, and they're going to send us back what that company is surging on. So at that point, you can now group your perfectly, you know, demographic, your perfect demographic companies and say, oh, and these 20 are actually looking at, you know, solutions today. Uh, surging at a really high rate across the board. Yeah, right. And then, but with compliance, can you even talk to those people in the first place? Is is really like if they're from Europe, you obviously can't talk to them. But even with um, even with like California as an example, where they're starting to expand those data laws, like I think that that's going to kind of not be as successful as you think you would want it to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't actually have a whole lot of experience with that. Um, and it's kind of interesting in terms of uh, those mechanics, because I, I totally see like sort of the groundwork of like where where that would be coming from. Um, but I just with the compliance factors, I, I that feels risky to me. Um, yeah. If you don't have a solid plan in place, it feels like, you could be trying to target, like if you had somebody in your database that you could talk to that was associated with that company that's being provided, then I think you're okay and you can expand your reach outward because you want the person that you're communicating with in that company to be on board number one with the product, but also use them as a referral, right? Oh, I just got this email from XYZ company. I think this is really great you should check it out. And then that person subscribes and then the next person subscribes. And then you kind of create like this waterfall effect of people, you know, becoming interested in, in your company. But, um, it, you know, you can't cold call with email, right? It's, it's not, it's not possible. So, um, it feels like that would be a really, uh, a really interesting tactic, but you would also have to rely on the fact that you already have that data in your system and you're able to talk to them. Otherwise you're, you're really putting yourself at risk there. There, there you have it, right? It goes back to compliance. I love that answer, honestly. It's like, yeah, it's a good tactic, but you still have to layer the fact that you may or may not have a pool of people that have opted in from that company. So maybe you're going to get some low-hanging fruit, but at the end of the day, you got to do everything you can to use your 
all the data in your marketing to really understand who you're selling to and create valuable content and offers so that they will actually respond and you'll have that pool of data. Uh, I, I love it. You know, bringing me back around, Corey, I really, uh, I know that we're at the end of the hour here and I think we could talk for hours and hours longer. So we'll have to do this a couple of times more. Um, but yeah, no, we really appreciate you today. I want to be respectful of your time and, um, you know, thought you were tremendously knowledgeable. And I think that the, the, the audience, uh, I'm speaking for them, we, we all appreciate you for coming on today. Cool. I, I, I look forward to the next opportunity and this was a great conversation. And, um, it, you know, if you, if anybody has any questions, um, I'm on LinkedIn and you can definitely reach out and I'll do my best to try to push you in the right direction of the answer, or, uh, I can answer it myself. So I'm always open to, to helping and, and want to improve the industry as a whole. That's my goal. Seems like a common thread amongst the top industry experts. Like they're on the community, they're on LinkedIn, they're willing to talk to you. And uh, yeah. I think we're all lucky for that. So have a wonderful day, Corey and everyone else. And uh, till next time. All right. Thank you, John. Appreciate it.